0: Welcome to this week's episode of Relaunch My Life Radio. I am so lucky to be able to have amazing conversations with such beautiful people, and this week's guest is absolutely no exception. Millie Thomas is an incredible woman who initially is from New Zealand and battled anorexia for over 15 years. She is now, I'm glad to say, fully recovered and is a certified recovery coach with clients in both Australia and New Zealand. She's also studied her neuro-linguistic programming with me in the Sunshine Coast, and she works with eating disorder charity EndEd, who in partnership with the Butterfly Foundation are actually establishing Australia's first residential eating disorder facility called EndEd Butterfly House. So Millie believes that no matter how long or how hard someone's journey with an eating disorder has been, that full recovery is always possible. So I was so excited to have this conversation about all things eating disorders, healing and mindset with the beautiful Millie Thomas. Welcome to Relaunch My Life Radio. I'm your host, Juliet Lever. If you want more, be sure to hit subscribe and visit us at www.relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. So I'm absolutely excited to be sitting down here this morning chatting to Millie, who is a eating disorder recovery coach and ambassador for EndEd. Millie, how are you today and, and what are you up to this morning? Thank you so
1: much for having me on, Juliet. I'm really excited to chat to you this morning. Um, I am wonderful, thank you. And I have been up this morning, I've done Pilates and gone for a little bit of a run. Um, it's nice, it wasn't so scorching hot this morning as it was yesterday. So I really enjoyed being out there in that sunshine.
0: Oh, beautiful. It sounds wonderful. And so we've got a lot of different things that I'm sure we could cover in this conversation. But I thought for the benefit of the listeners, let's let's start all the way back at the kind of the beginning of your journey and what kind of led you into the work that you are now doing. So where were things for you several years ago in contrast to what you're now doing in the world?
1: They were vastly, vastly different.
0: <laughs> and so
1: I won't go into huge detail, because I know we want to keep this quite um, short and sweet, but for me, I struggled with anorexia um, from the age of 12 to 27, so 15 years of really um, battling with the beast that is uh, an eating disorder and for me it wasn't something that um, I saw coming. I had a very idyllic childhood and I went into a private all-girls school and that sort of set the scene for me uh, for my eating disorder to develop. So what we know with eating disorders is that genes load the gun and environment pulls the trigger and so for me I was genetically predisposed to having an eating disorder. I had the personality characteristics, type A, high achiever, OCD, perfectionist. And I was then um, put into an environment where um, those sort of personality characteristics, the genes, everything, um, culminated in in my eating disorder developing. And for me, it was um, quite a long journey. Um, My eating disorder became very, very entrenched. And I really, really struggled to let go of it. So although there were more, there were times where I was uh, nutritionally rehabilitated, so to speak, uh, the psychological issues were really never dealt with. And what we know is that you can refeed someone as much as you like, but if you don't deal with those really, really root core issues, I often call it the bedrock of the eating disorder is is formed on, then you, you will not be free. Um, you can. People often think that people are well because they look well. And I always say, if eating disorders don't have a look, someone can seem to look well, but really have a raging eating disorder going on inside. So basically, it got to the point for me where my team um, quite literally gave up on me, uh, sadly. And they brought my parents and me into a room and basically said that my case of anorexia was too severe and enduring and that I you know I would not recover and that palace of care should be looked at as an option wow. um, sorry how old were you at that point I uh, so I was I was probably about 26 yeah okay. and for me that was that was really quite a defining moment because up until that point I'd been holding on to hope yes I hadn't really been making much progress but I held on to this hope that know, somebody believed in me and the clinicians are still working with me so there must be hope and that moment where they said well basically that I'm not going to get well to me it felt like well they don't think I'm going to get well then what's the point in me trying because at that point it was really an incredibly intense daily battle Um, I was I was incredibly incredibly entrenched in this eating disorder and it wasn't a nice life to be living but um, and so over that next, I would have say it would have been about eight months, I really started to decline even further. And it got to a point where my family GP, um, one day when I walked in there, he basically said, you know, you've got a week or max two to live, you need to decide whether you want to live or die. And for me, um, I guess, another really sort of defining moment in my journey. And for me, I had never been suicidal, I'd never been depressed. But at that, I actually could not fathom waking up another day to face my reality. I was physically and mentally spent. I was exhausted. I had my body was riddled with stress fractures. I could feel my heart almost pounding out of my chest. I was permanently cold. I was aching from head to toe. I wasn't sleeping because I was starving. Um, And the only way that I could see to get out of this um, living hell was to be looking down on the world from afar um, and so i would made that decision that 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 was what I wanted to do um, and that was how I how I felt myself being at peace and so I went home and told my mum, and she obviously was trying to get her head around that and she was off to noosa house sitting and and she said to me why didn't I come and I sort of thought it was a waste of time I was going to die anyway but she was really adamant that I come because it was had always been my happy place and so We went to Noosa and mum had found an incredible woman who specializes in NLP and hypnotherapy. And Mm -hmm. I ended up staying and seeing her for six months and it completely transformed my life. I was incredibly skeptical at first and there were many appointments that I stormed out of, but I always remember when that first session that I'd been in there and I I took nothing in because I just, I was totally, totally in my, my conscious mind. And I went into the next session and I said to her, look, it's not you. It's me. I'm unsavable. You know, i'm sorry I, you know you can 't work with me, and she said, "Why do you think that?" And I said, Well, because all I was thinking in our session was A, B, C, and D, and then she said, Yeah, and you were also thinking, and she reeled off all these innermost thoughts that she, she could tell that I was having, and it was at that point where I really realized that I had to give over and I had to actually surrender to the process, and that was when I was able to really settle into my unconscious mind and do that work. On changing my value system and releasing these deep-seated beliefs and it was by no means easy it was the most excruciating experience of my life but it was so transformative and it literally saved my life and I think for me one of the key things was my therapist said to me that I could change my brain and people had always said to me I'll have to live with this for the rest of my life I'll just have to learn how to manage it mm-hmm. and when she said to me you can change your brain If you want to change your brain, you can change it. I just had this moment of, I've got to give this a try. You know, it's either, I've got two options. either go in boots and all and give this one last shot or I die. And I didn't want to die not knowing what it was like to truly live. I'd become sick when I was still a child. I didn't know what it was like to live like an independent adult. Mm. And and I wanted that chance. So we did that for six months. Um, I got well. I basically came home to myself in a way, which was a really beautiful experience. A a, a traumatizing one at times, but a really beautiful experience all the same. And I went back to Auckland, realized that that was not where I wanted to be living. Spent some time in LA. When I was in LA, another moment for me was I was in a park and I heard a girl, um, heard a mother of a girl who was about six or seven, she was being pushed on a swing. um, And she said to her, her daughter, Um, I'm, you're going to be too fat soon. I won't be able to push you. And for that me, I, it was just this visceral reaction in the bit of my stomach of like, does she understand what course of events that could, um, set off for this young girl and I realized then that you know this was something that I was incredibly passionate about and people have been saying I should write about my journey I've been quite adamant that there were a number of books about anorexia recovery and until I had something unique um, to offer that I wasn't going to write but I certainly didn't write a book at that point but I wrote something on my Facebook page about what it's like to be in an eating disorder so that people had an understanding of the reality and people just resonated with it and they liking it and commenting and sharing and then Huffington Post picked it up and I realized then that my story had value and that my lived experience could really really help people not only people who were suffering but people who were sort of uninitiated in the world of eating disorders get them to help them to understand and so I decided then that I was going to move to my happy place, the Sunshine Coast, and I had a dream of starting an eating disorders charity. And within weeks of moving to the Sunshine Coast, I was introduced through a mutual friend to Mark and Gay Forbes, an absolutely incredible couple uh, who had started in as a parent support group um, as they had $2 with bulimia. And I decided that I just wanted to collaborate with them. They both were so aligned um, with, with my vision and, and values and there was that collective dream there of, of really creating um, systemic change and we are currently doing that with the building of Australia's first residential eating disorders facility. So basically fast forward and now um, i trained um, under the US-based um, Carolyn Coston. She's very much a guru in eating disorders worldwide and has the highly successful Montanito residential clinics and so I've trained under her to become a certified eating disorder recovery coach and I've trained under the beautiful Juliet to become an NLP and timeline therapy practitioner and um, we are also establishing as I said Australia's first residential so we understand that the medical model really doesn't work for eating disorders are concerned and there needs to be a much more holistic approach that is taken with a really individualized um, treatment um, program and so we're creating that on a beautiful 25 acre property in Malula Valley so we've partnered with the Butterfly Foundation to make that happen and it will be called Indead Butterfly House and construction is well underway so we'll be looking to open around about mid 2020 so that's incredibly exciting and I think for me seeing what was 15 years of living hell um, become something that has not only transformed my life but has now given me my life's purpose um it's it's amazing and I feel incredibly lucky that that's how it's turned out um because I wouldn't be the person that I am today without having gone um to to the depths of despair and and sort of stared death in the face basically and I think it's really um Amazing for other people who do have severe and enduring eating disorders who are told, you know, they'll just have to manage them. To be able to see that someone like me who was in that same boat has fully recovered and is is living literally what is the life of my dreams. So um, I feel very lucky to be able to be doing the work that I do every day.
0: Mm, thank you so much, and it's you know the beauty of hindsight. I guess if you could tell that Millie in the depths of those darkest moments you know, there's a reason for all this and one day it will make sense. You know, it's, it's so hard to kind of even be able to comprehend that when you're going through the darkest times. But now I can hear that it's almost like you're really saying and so many people on the other side, once you actually step into your purpose and your path, say, I wouldn't have changed a thing actually because knowing the depths of how bad it went I really notice for you it's almost like it gives you this strength of conviction where you know you can hold space and talk to anyone in any situation and know like hey I've been there and I've had that lived experience and that's what's so much more profound than perhaps people who are coming from a medical model approach and they haven't experienced what you have how do you find when you're talking to to say the people that are struggling that that's hard to sometimes get them to even imagine that there is, a, there is a bigger purpose for it all and that one day it'll make sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it depends where people are on their journey. But I think you've hit the nail on the head where you say that, you know, that power of lived experience, you know, people, I would sit in clinicians um, rooms and they would say, oh, yeah, I understand. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't understand. You're not in my brain. You don't know what it's like to live with this 24 7. You get to go home at night. I have to live with this constantly in my head. And so I think, you know, it is lived experience is the way forward and it's being recognized, you know, on a national level. Greg Hunt stood up in Parliament the other day and spoke about my story and at a mental health conference. He is absolutely championing this. And he can see the value of it. And I think that's absolutely fantastic because recovery coaching um, is definitely something that is still um, quite a a new um, modality in in both Australia and New Zealand. And I think it's something that people need to get more of an understanding about so that existing um, professionals like psychologists and dietitians aren't threatened by it in any way because we definitely work as an adjunct to the multidisciplinary team their client already has and we're just using our lived experience to help those people along and to give them that um you know reassurance and support multiple times a day
0: Mm. and so what are your what do you what have you really noticed i suppose in the last five even ten years in the rise in social media and People sharing not only their physical appearance, a lot more doctored and altered images as well, but also their eating habits and the rise of, I suppose, conflicting diets as well. You know, one person says you need to be vegan to be healthy, one person says you have to juice fast, one person says you need to eat keto, one person, you know, are people just getting more and more confused? And is that adding to eating disorder confusion or is this something totally separate? How do you classify? you know, an eating disorder versus someone that's just really confused by diet and, you know, walks through a supermarket and thinks, I can't eat any of this. <laughs> what do you... Yeah, absolutely. You Look, I mean,
1: it's definitely, definitely something that's influencing things and social media is an incredibly dangerous place right now. I mean, it's also an incredibly, um, can be an incredibly helpful place. There are a lot of really fabulous accounts, but there's also a lot um, of accounts that really are you know, destructive. And, you know, people might not see them as being that and they might think that they're doing good. But there was a quote that I saw the other day from a well-respected dietitian, And she said, your healthy lifestyle advice is somebody else's eating disorder. And I think that's really, really important to remember because for everybody... You know, everybody's situation is different, and their needs are different. And for somebody, cutting out sugar might not be a major thing. For somebody, that means that they'll take it to the absolute extreme and and stop eating fruit, for example. Mm -hmm. And so, when we have these extremes being um, sort of glamorized, I guess, on social media, it is just incredibly dangerous. And the thing is that we have people who are, you know. Um, saying that they are life coaches or saying that they are nutritionists and, and, and all of these things it's like how do you know can you check their qualifications you know there's a bit massive difference between a registered dietitian um, and a life coach or, or a nutrition and it's like we need to be listening to the people who actually have the knowledge and the training and who understand your specific individual situation and I think too often people get caught up in that almost soup of social media where there's these trends and these you know phases whether it be keto whether it be paleo and it's, at the end of the day you can't say that that's balanced and you can't say that that's you know a um, way to live your life that doesn't restrict you you know if you are following these extreme um diets because that's what they basically are i know people say it's a lifestyle choice and it's a way of eating but at the end of the day you are restricting in some way in order to be able to you know follow this particular um way of eating and look for some people it's necessary they may have celiac disease it may be how their body operates best and that's fine i'm not i don't obviously have anything against that but i think what happens is it gets really really um blurry the lines are very very blurry between what is you know what is healthy and what is actually an eating disorder or disordered eating and what we know is that disordered eating can very very quickly morph into an eating disorder as well and I think you know we need to stop demonizing particular foods like food does not have a moral value and you are not inherently good or bad for mm-hmm. eating or not eating a certain food, and I think that's really important because if you look at the um, current discourse around food, there is a lot of that labelling of things. This is bad for you. This is good for you, and it changes all the time because there's constantly new, you know, research papers that the media takes hold of and completely, you know, run to the nth degree with. And I also think the other thing in terms of bodies is that we need to stop making judgments and making generalizations and because at the end of the day the if we continue to judge people's bodies and make an assumption about them as a person um based on what they look like then as a society we will continue to to have that as, as sort of a base if you know what i mean and i think You know, we have to stop making assumptions and stop seeing someone in a particular body shape and assuming that they don't exercise or assuming that they need to. Everybody has a story and you don't know what that is by looking at them. You can't tell. And I think the other thing is we are so much more than our bodies. Mm. Like we are so much more. We have talents and passions and dreams and all of that. And the more that we start to idolize and play into this cultural ideal. Um, and I mean, who is to even say what what an ideal body image is, but there seems to be these ideals out there that um, certain subsets of society strive towards and it's like it's constantly changing anyways you're never going to be able to win so from my perspective I just want people to embrace the bodies that they have and care for them and nurture them and appreciate them for the incredible things that they are without taking things to the extreme and the, the reality of it is if you're having to consciously manipulate or restrict your food intake or your exercise or calculate things, then that's not naturally where your body needs to sit. You're preventing your body from being where it naturally needs to be. And I, of all people, know how hard it is to accept where your body needs to sit. You know, if somebody had said to me seven years ago or 10 years ago, or even, I guess I've been recovered for about four or five, so say six years ago, that I would be happy at the weight I am now. I would have just laughed them right out of the, out mm-hmm. the park. Like, it, But it's, it's a place of happiness that I have come to because the realization of you have to let your body be where it needs to be. It has to find its happy place. And you can fight against that for the rest of your life and manipulate it to sit somewhere where it doesn't want to sit. But that means that food and exercise is going to be taking up a great degree of your mental space basically Mm -hmm. and that means that time and energy that you could be putting towards creating um, you know your dream business or having loving relationships or creating a family or changing the world whatever it is that you want to be doing that time and energy is being spent on food and exercise and I just think that's really sad and a waste
0: do you feel like it's also a little bit like one of the few things that people feel like they can control these days? Because maybe someone wants to go and change the world, but that's such a big chunk, you know, and that's how people get overwhelmed is if things are in too big a picture, they don't know what their first step is. So, okay, well, I'll I'll just focus on what I can control, which is what I eat and how I move my body. And that's the the few things that I can, I think, you know, there's so much uncertainty and change in the world and there's, you know, a a lot of, a, a lot of different, different programming. I mean, I'm not sure about you, but it just seems like, you know, reality is just going so much faster in a way. And there's so much more advancements in technology, but also pressure. And obviously there's just so many different things. And I think a lot of people are quite overwhelmed by it all. And so, rather than go out into the world and and create a bigger dream or a bigger picture, maybe people are contracting and and just staying in with, well, what are the things that I can control? Okay. Well, it's, it's literally this, my physical body and my food and, and what I'm eating. But you know, what, what did, what did you have to then, I mean, obviously you've created this purpose and this vision. And so a lot of your mindset now and your headspace is on focusing on, on obviously building, um, ended butterfly house and, um, you know, all of your recovery coaching clients, etc. But you know, how do you keep coming back home to yourself? Because you honestly, and I'm rambling a little bit here. I just, <laughs> I want to really acknowledge you really do just exude genuine happiness. And I have to say, Millie, it's there's something about you that I, I see in myself, which is almost like that real deep gratitude for having a second chance at life. And that's what I feel like I had. And so it's this, this real active service now of paying that back to the world of like, well, I'm I'm here. I didn't know I was going to be here in this capacity. So I'm going to give it all I've got. So how do you stay centered? How do you say, stay true to you and how do you stay happy?
1: well first of all thank you for saying that that really means a lot because Mm -hmm. I do feel like I think a lot of it has to do with being happy in your own skin but also um that second chance you know I will be forever grateful for that I'll be forever grateful that I'm still here on this earth every single day and so yeah as you say it is almost like this act of service in a way and um yeah so thank you Mm -hmm. um for me I it's getting up in the morning and moving my body. um, If that is something that I feel like I need to do, like want, sorry, want to do is um, definitely um, important for me. And obviously I do check in with myself because exercise was something that I became obsessed about in my eating disorder. But now for me, exercise is something that really keeps me sane, to be honest. It is my time in the morning to, Set myself up for the day, take some deep breaths, really feel energized. um, Yes, get myself sorted. And I find that when I don't do it, I really don't um, feel nearly as centered um, and nearly as ready to really tackle the challenges that face me every day um, with clients. And so that's something that I do also living by the ocean. Um, The ocean is incredible. Incredible healing force for me. It is something that constantly reminds me of how small we are in the big scheme of things. And it's also something that is just so constant, the ebbing and flowing of the waves and also everything that the ocean holds, you know, the whales and the dolphins and the fish and everything. I, I love to snorkel and I also love to collect shells because I think those are things that remind me of the miracle of nature. And remind me of what an absolutely amazing world we live in and how lucky we are to live in you know a part of the world where so much about our landscape is still quite untouched and um, so those are some of the things that I, I definitely um, try to to build into my weeks. also really love learning so, whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's reading books, um, whether it's reading journal articles, just really soaking in as much information as I can about all sorts of things. So not just necessarily eating disorder specific, but you know about changing your brain or about different modalities that are out there or about things like brand management i used to i did a business degree and 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 uh, majored in marketing and so i'm really passionate about that i'm also passionate about photography so really making sure that i don't become so tunnel visioned in the eating disorder world that it overwhelms me and that's something that i've had to learn over these last um, four years that I've been working in this space is that I have to make sure that in some way I'm cultivating a life outside of it as well. Because I'm so passionate about what I do and I do work most days, I have to be really careful for it not to absolutely consume me and then I end up burning out. So mm-hmm. traveling really helps me with that. So I often head over to LA um, just to kind of reset and I'm still doing bits and bobs of work and exploring different options over there, but um, just having that change of scenery and it, it really helps to to keep me, um, yeah, as you say, centered and reminding myself of who I am and, and what do I want to achieve. And the other thing that I do is constantly sort of reevaluating where I'm heading and what I want and yeah. what the bigger picture for me is say, what do I want my life to look like in five years time? What are the steps that I need to do to get there? And that's constantly changing. I, I will absolutely admit that's constantly changing for me as the industry's changing, as our charities projects are changing, what what I'm thinking that I want is changing too and that's hard for someone that likes certainty and is a perfectionist but it's a challenge that I'm rising to to just sort of surf that wave and figure figure it all out and I, I mean I feel lucky that I have that option
0: yeah and just continuing to learn that that life lesson of just surrender like when you walked into that first NLP session as well just all right, we might think that we're in control, but there's there's sometimes bigger bigger things at play. And so, what is your dream for the world? Then, what are you, what is your vision or dream for yourself and for the world for the future?
1: Look, I would absolutely love to see access to individualized, holistic eating disorder treatment for everybody that needs it, and mm-hmm. support for those parents and carers and family members that are also affected by their loved one going through an eating disorder because I think too often um, effective treatment is only available for the people that can afford it. And I just think that's an absolute travesty because everybody deserves a chance to get well and to get well in an environment that isn't cold and clinical, an environment where they're surrounded by compassionate, caring clinicians who truly understand what they're going through and are there to help work with them, to help them get out the other side. Um, And I really, I really do hope that in my lifetime I see that come come to fruition. And that is something that I would like to see worldwide um, in every country in the world. And I'd also love to see the role of recovery coaches be just like a given (laughs) um and something that people are just understand um welcome as part of a multidisciplinary team because we know we're seeing um, the real value in it for me personally I think I would just really love to be able to spread my story And what I've learned through my journey as far and wide as I possibly can. And with that, obviously spreading that message of hope and that message that full recovery from an eating disorder, no matter how long or how hard you've suffered with it, is completely possible and that anybody can fully recover. Um, and I'm not sure in what way that I'm going to do that yet, but that is something that really, that's what gets me up every day. That's what fires up my soul, seeing people or hearing, you know, from them by emails or messages or whatever. And they're telling me that the support that I'm giving them is enabling them to create these behavioral changes and really make progress in their recovery. There is absolutely nothing more rewarding than that and seeing clients that I've worked with over the years blossom and become these strong, incredible people who are in a space where they can achieve anything they want to in their lives because they have overcome those demons and they've come out the other side free and ready to take on the world. Um, And I think also what I would love to see in a more broader sense is that as a global society, we stop focusing on bodies being something that we need to manipulate and something to be prized. I want us to understand that we are so much more than our bodies and that the more that we start to actually embrace that ourselves and stop judging people and stop trying to manipulate our own bodies. It's got to be sort of a groundswell effect in a way. We've got to start doing it as individuals and then that will spread that message that we are so much more than what we look like. We have so much more to offer and that will really, really help um, in keeping this, rise of of the incidence of eating disorders hopefully it will stop rising at the incredible rate that it is and and we'll stop having children as you know young as five or six talking about why they don't have a thigh gap because to me that just breaks my heart so Mm. that's what I'd love to see
0: and I I definitely agree and I I support your vision 100 percent. I think there is so much focus on the physical but we're so much more than that and you know, the, the physical was temporary as well. We, we get these physical vehicles for 80 or 90 or 100 years or however long, right? And then we have to give them back, you know. But um, but I think as well, I, I would really love to sort of close on, on one final question. So if you could go back to five or six years ago and you could speak to the Millie who was in the kind of darkest, most challenging moment, what would you say to her? What advice would you give her?
1: I'd say to her that it's going to be okay Mm. that you will get through this and you'll come out the other side braver and stronger than you can begin to imagine and that although you don't realize it now everything that you're learning and all of these experiences no matter how traumatic are actually going to result in you being a stronger person because you're going to know yourself inside out, back to front, possibly more so than someone who hasn't had to really go through the trenches of having an eating disorder. You're going to know how to use those personality characteristics for good rather than for self-destruction. You're going to know how to keep yourself safe and keep yourself aligned with your core values, not anyone else's and certainly not in eating disorders. And also just to know that she is loved more than she will ever know and that there is hope. There is so, so much hope.
0: Wow! Oh, thank you. Well, I think not only that would have been powerful for you, but I'm sure all of the listeners to hear that too because there's there's learnings for all of us in that wisdom and that advice as well for any point on anyone's journey that people are listening in on. So how can people get in touch with you if they, or if someone they know is struggling with an eating disorder or they perhaps want you to talk or share your message, how can people reach out to you?
1: Absolutely. Well, people can send me an email at M I L L I E at E N D E A U or you can get in touch with me via Instagram. So my personal Instagram is Millie T, so M-I-L-L-I-E, the letter T, N-Z, standing for New Zealand. And I also run the Ended Instagram. So I update that daily with recovery inspiration. So that's E-N-D-E-D Australia. And we also are on Facebook at Ending Eating Disorders. And you can check out our website at dub au, and i'm sure all those will be in the show notes to refer to
0: 100 will well thank you so much thank you for sharing your message and your story and being so vulnerable and thank you for everything that you're doing in this world and thanks for being a part of my training last month in the sunshine coast it was lots of it was really powerful and lots of fun having you my personal favorite was learning about your clothes buying strategy. I've learned a lot from you about that. <laughs> I've thought about that so <laughs> often. Stylist shopping shopping <laughs> strategy. Um, and, you know, I, I'm excited to see Butterf- uh, M Dead Butterfly House open uh, next year. And also, I'm really excited to read your book one day because I have no doubt you will put all of this into a pretty profound um, book that is going to change a lot of people's lives too. So thank you so much and have the most wonderful day and I will see you soon. Thank you so much. And you have a lovely day too. That's this week's episode from Relaunch My Life Radio, live from Australia. Visit us at relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. And remember, it's never too late to relaunch your life.